You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Goes ring wide to the right circle for Luke Shen, sneaking to the goal to the back door. They score! Andre Kuzmenko! Okay, well, we've got the contract. And, and what I think at the very least people are going to ask the Canucks is, what are you willing to do here, if anything? Oh, wow. You had me at milky secretion. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Monday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. <laughs> hey, guess what, buddy? It's Tuesday. Oh, it's Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Tuesday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, happy Tuesday. <laughs> good, good morning, buddy. Uh, Andy, happy Tuesday to you. I think it's Monday. Uh, who's to say, really? I'm going to check on this. You should check on that. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Sure feels like a Monday. Oh, someone's got a case of the Mondays, bud. On a Tuesday. Except it's a Tuesday. I'm not used to getting a long weekend off. Used to just coming in on a Monday, which is yesterday, because today is Tuesday. Yeah. Now, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? So the reason I said it was Monday is because I thought it was Monday which meant we had to go back over Saturday and Sunday. But now we have three days to recap. Although the Canucks haven't been in action since the 6-2 win over the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday. So there's a lot of stories, actually, that we need to get to here. Uh, Thatcher Demko is traveling with the team again. Uh, no clue when he's going to get back into action. But they got not one, not two, but three goalies on this trip. Uh, I think the main characters from the weekend, number one, Elias Pettersson, for sure, the five points against the Flyers. And then he went on after hours with Scott Oak and Cheech. And then, of course, JT Miller trade rumors still floating in the ether there. So there's a lot to get into. Wherever you want to begin, my well, friend. Well, Archer Seelofs, too, got his first NHL win. So it congratulations was to the young man for that. Uh, 6-2 win over the Flyers on Saturday. And under Rick Tockett, the Canucks have had three convincing wins at home now, unless I'm missing another one, over pretty bad teams. <laughs> there was the Chicago win that was Tockett's first game as head coach and then Columbus came to town and the Philly game was kind of similar um you you just saw that the Canucks had more talent than the Flyers and it was headlined by Elias Pettersson um the Canucks played better defensively they've had some bad defensive games under Rick Tockett as well but the game against the Flyers was not one of them this week they go into Nashville to play a Predators team that is kind of in the playoff race but not really I consider in the West right now it looks like the final two spots are going to come down to Minnesota or Calgary but Nashville is kind of there Nashville is kind of there like Vancouver was kind of there in the playoff race under Bruce Boudreaux last season, although it's been a struggle pretty much all season for Nashville. They just haven't really gotten going. Mm -hmm. Um, We can talk to Wish about that, by the way, because remember before the season started, he came on the show. He was like, oh, yeah, I think Nashville's like – he didn't call them a lock, but he's like, I'm pretty confident Nashville's going to make the playoffs. We kept the receipts, Wish. I'm like, I don't know, man, like – they're not that great. And some of the guys that had really good seasons for them last year, you were kind of surprised that they had those good seasons. So we'll talk a little bit about the Predators today because they could be active at the trade deadline um, as well. Um, Elias Pettersson had five points, as you mentioned, against the Philadelphia Flyers. Two empty netters. And by the way, I don't know if you guys talked about this yesterday, Um who was in here? Was it Dranson and uh, was it Dranson Dodd yesterday? Yeah, morning Canucks talk. Did you guys talk about um, the hit that Elias Pettersson took on the empty netter? And yes, and they know, like- shrugged it off. They were like, "Ah, who cares? No big deal." And I was like, "No, this is annoying. Yeah. I'm angry at this. This yeah, is I stupid." Like that. Yeah, I, I didn't like that. I mean, Connect- it's just Connect- an aside. Connect me's a bit of a rat. Yeah, 
I mean, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm old now. And so nobody, I'm like, if that had jumped, happened, yeah. if yeah, if that had happened 20 years ago, that's a, like a line brawl. Yeah. So you know, like, nobody that's a line him. brawl. It was just Miller. I guess JT beat, Miller was upset, but kind of like, beaked him a bit. But. That was greasy. Yeah. That was greasy, especially in, the, in 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 a game that was like a blowout like that. After the game, they talked about it on the panel, mm-hmm. and Elliot openly asked the question to Kelly and to Biexa. Like, do you think that was enough? Like, yeah. didn't even parse words or mince words or whatever. And Bieksa, interestingly, said, well, what are you going to do? There's barely any time left in the game. And Konechny, in keeping with his true rat status, he went right for the bench. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't stand out there looking to start something else. It was a cheap shot and then yeah. case closed. Um, I didn't uh, – nobody liked it, as a matter of fact. And then – the panel started to say, well, this is what happens when you're a non-conference foe and you can do this kind of stuff because you're not going to play him two nights later. Well, this is what happens, I think. I mean, I would disagree with that. I think this was this is what happens in the NHL now. It just happens. It yeah. does. Yeah, it's true. It, like, it, yeah. it, 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 Because when do we even see, like, tonight's a revenge game. It's Remember true. what happened in the last game, right? It just doesn't really happen anymore. Anyway, I, I noticed it. I, I guess we're just going to blow it off and – and accept that the NHL is not the league it was 20 years ago because 20 years ago that would have kicked off something. Well, now Konechny might miss some time, too. I don't know if you guys saw. He got injured in the game against Calgary, the very next game. Good. Karma. He was in a sling after the game, according (laughs) to the reporter. I did not see that. Um, The captaincy of the Vancouver Canucks obviously came up with Elias Pettersson in after hours. Um, Let's play the audio about uh, if we've got it ready to go, let's play the audio about him saying it would be an honor, but I need to think about it and we can make the decision in the summer because I think there's a lot in that statement alone. That would definitely be an honor. Uh, but for me, uh, I don't want to stress or um, rush into a decision. I've never been a captain. Um, I mean, I guess everyone know I'm a pretty quiet guy. So uh, it's just, it would definitely be an honor, but I want to, um, how do you say? Uh, take my time thinking about it in the summer and make a decision. So a few things there. Number one, let's try. Let's let's first of all take him at face value. Let's let's take what he said literally and 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 talk about the fact that he needs to take some time to make this decision, which we'll assume again. We'll take this all at face value and that and no then, negative and, media spin. No, no, no. Just no. Plain it straight, and then we won't in the second part of this. But the first part yeah. is like, he says, I'm a quiet guy. I need to make a decision on this. And this is something we brought up before, just his, his personality. And people will say, well, the Sedins were quiet guys. And, 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 you know, Henrik was a good captain and Daniel was a good leader and, and they grew into that role. Um, but I have, I have wondered about Petey, you know, he, he, um, he, he has said himself that, he wants to he likes to focus on 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 his job right and yeah. his job is is being a good hockey player and yep. he is doing an awesome job of that right now and sometimes i wonder sometimes for the most part i think he'd be a fine captain but sometimes i wonder if it would um take energy away from the things that he does well again he seems like a quiet guy he doesn't seem to relish being in the spotlight in fact i think he tried to put him in the spot put himself in the spotlight earlier in his career when he was turning into a star in vancouver and it kind of backfired or he didn't like some of the blowback or he didn't like some of the the negative implications of being in the spotlight i think he can be a little bit sensitive and maybe as he's growing into the role and he's maturing and he's learning the ropes um, in the NHL, and he is becoming more of a leader. He's going to grow into that fine. But I don't think that we should necessarily think like, oh, yeah, it'll be great for him. Oh, I'm, I'm not there. But I do think it's almost like it's really vital that it gets foisted upon him. Like it's almost like he'll either sink or swim. But if he's going to swim, that's going to bring him to that level that talk it's always talking about. You know who the guy I think about sometime who who was wasn't necessarily right for the captaincy role in a big Canadian city? Max Pacioretty. He was a sensitive guy in Montreal. Yep. 
and extenuating circumstances there though too right it was an american he didn't speak french it was different like i get what you're saying sometimes i think the criticism of max pacioretty got to him and i think that was extra because he was the captain yeah i don't i mean so when he wasn't producing when he wasn't he was going through a little bit of a slump he took it on the chin and he took that home with him yeah i it's a tough job for sure it, and it is different in a Canadian market. And it's not because Canadian markets are inherently evil or negative. There's just so much more scrutiny. And you have to do a lot of talking. And that's something that, I mean, putting Pedersen out on after hours, you saw it. That was like 15, 20 minutes of conversation that, you know, he had to work his way through. It's not easy, right? But my thing is this. It's either you're going to hit your wagon to the guy mm-hmm. or you're not. Like, I'm not denying what you're saying. Like, it could not work. And there's a pretty decent chance it can't because there's a pre- pressure-packed scenario for a guy that's young, um, you know, sometimes struggles to find the right words and say the right thing. And he's very apprehensive about the way that he talks. Like, you saw it on yeah. Saturday night. Like, he apologized for calling it uh, football instead of soccer. Yeah. He's like, sorry, I meant to call it soccer. It's like, no one cares. <laughs> uh, but it's it's one of those things where, look, I, I, unless I'm way off, I very clearly see what the organization is doing here, and it's dangling the keys in front of him like a, like a kid that just turned 16. And like, here are the keys, son. It's yours now. So someone texted in, he's fine, bruv. He should have had an A two years ago. He should have the C now. I don't know if he should already have uh, Doug from Salmon Arm texts in, the Sedins always had each other to lean on. So I listen, th- this is not me doubting Elias Pettersson. This is me saying, this guy is a really good player. Let's be 100% sure that giving him the captaincy doesn't in any way affect that. See, but I'm, I'm almost the other way. I'm like, let's take that risk. Let's go for it. Let's see what happens here. Because, hey, we are familiar with this particular market. Remember when they, do you remember when they gave Luongo the captaincy? That's that one did, of the things <laughs> that they, they didn't think through. But, and it didn't go well. And, and there, there's inherent risks with this. There's, put it this way. There's no slam dunk, ready-made, this guy is the obvious choice, except he is the obvious choice. But, like, mm. Horvat was the obvious choice to yeah. take it over from Henrik, right? That was the kind of a no-brainer. This to And he me, always seemed comfortable in the role. Yeah, he did it. He performed the task quite admirably. Now that he's gone, I think we'll probably look back on it and say, you know what, he did He did a really good job. Yeah, you know, like, tough circumstances. Tough circumstances. But for me, I mean, just consider this. Pedersen now has 71 points in 54 games. Like, I can't – how many five-point games has he had yeah. this year? Five? Six? He's been awesome. He's been unbelievable. He's been awesome. He And and you know what? Been unbelievable in a year that has been very trying for almost everyone affiliated with the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Right? He's had two different head coaches. Both laud him like crazy. Can we play the audio from Talkit? Do we have it here? The Talkit talking about how Pedersen is multi-talented. Count the amount of times that Pedersen – or that Talkit just flat out says, like, I love the guy. Here's uh, Rick Talkit on his star player and presumably future captain. Elias Pettersson. Multi-talented guy. You know, he's um, you know he's a guy that, you know, I gave him the A, and I think he's starting to learn how, what to be a leader. Time and place, when to go and when not to go. You know, um, you know he's still learning that. You know, um, you know, I love the guy, but there's some times where you can't hit home runs all the time. And I thought tonight he managed the game a lot better than he did the first two periods. And uh, it's a learning experience. And But, you know, how can you not? He's a multi-talented guy. Love the guy. Love so, the guy. I mentioned earlier that, first of all, we'll take Elias Pettersson's comments at face value and say if he's got to think about it, um, that it's not an automatic thing, then the organization should be thinking about it and saying, mm, maybe it's not an automatic thing. I guess the elephant in the room, to use a Rick Tockett analogy, we're not going to eat this elephant, No. but the elephant in the room is that <laughs> I don't know if the Canucks can name Elias Pettersson captain right now because he isn't committed long-term to them. It's got, yeah, it's got to happen. He's got one year left on his deal, so maybe part of PD saying, listen, i got to think about this, is is also him saying, eh, listen, i got to sign a long-term contract before I become the captain of the Canucks. And frankly, part of me wonders, and I don't know what you guys think about this, part of me wonders is – the offering of the captaincy or the floating of the captaincy, is that a way for the Canucks to convince or help convince Elias Pettersson to sign long-term? Like, say, you are so important to us that we're going to bestow this great honor on you. Yep. And also, 
you're going to have a big say on this team because we think you could be the captain of this team. So you can't leave now. I think so. I think that's totally valid too, right? I, I put it this way. They're not making it very subtle, are they, about what Pedersen means to the organization right now? I mean, oh, like- the, from, from the management down to the coaching staff, they're saying, like, the team is being turned over yeah. to Elias Pedersen and also Quinn Hughes. We'll talk about JT Miller in a second and yeah. what that might mean. But uh, they're clearly saying, like, listen, we're hitching our wagons to these two guys. Yep. Hughes is signed for the next few years. Elias Pedersen is not. Yeah, I think this is all part and parcel. I mean, God, I, I was even wondering last night. I'm like, I wonder. And you PR people out there, pay attention. I wonder if they would do something as creative as having like a joint announcement where he signs his extension and is named the next captain of the team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. I could they see would, that they happening would. this summer. Totally. Are we right? 100% totally. sure that he wants it? I mean, I think he does, but... I'm not the captaincy or the long-term extension no, or both. No, no. The yeah. captaincy specifically, obviously. Wants no, I'm not a hundred percent sure he wants. Like, it. I just, I don't know. When I hear him talk about it, obviously he says, "Yeah, it's going to be an honor." It's a, you have to say that, but I, I'm just part of me wonders, like, does he really want to be have that responsibility, or would he rather just focus on his? Here's game? the thing. I, I, that's what I'm bringing up. Yeah. I know. I, I, think I, agree first, with you. I think his first few years in Vancouver, I think uh, now, now he's come out of it fine, certainly on the ice. But I think he went through some serious growing pains, and not just on the ice, with the off-ice attention. Here's the thing. If he is going to be upper echelon, and if he's driven to be the best, then it's impossible for him to look around the league. Who are the guys that are the elite of the elite right now? Right? Yeah. McKinnon. Just won a Stanley Cup. Crosby won multiple Stanley Cups. Bergeron, multiple Stanley Cups. And then you go McDavid, best player in the game. What do they all have in common? They're all the captains of their team. McKinnon's like, not. Landis Scott. Sorry, captain. not McKinnon. Sorry. Everyone acts like McKinnon's the captain, though. Like me. Like yeah. I thought it was Tuesday. Or was it so Monday? you're saying the competitive nature of Pedersen would be like, give me the C because it Well, has I don't know him well enough to like yeah. say that he's wired like that, but that's the thinking of the organization for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just sort of like talk it played with a variety of superstars and kind of knew where the bar was at. Any references at a lot, right? Okay, I'm going to read some text here because it's not just me that wonders about this. Polly Polly right? texts in, "PD is too paranoid of the media and the public twisting his words." I'm not, I don't I, I agree with that. Not necessarily this one. He seems scared of responsibility and it would suck to see the pressure get to his head and not perform. Scared of responsibility? I don't know if that's the case. Scared of the media twisting his words 100%. And we talked about this before. Someone it would be nice if someone could help him through that and say like, "Listen, if you're named the captain of the Vancouver Canucks and you have to speak every day about the Canucks, I guarantee you that your words will be twisted. Yep. I guarantee you that will there will be noise. I guarantee you that you will read and hear things that you say, that is BS, that is 100% not true. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable with that happening? Yeah, I, and that's it all, is reality of being a professional athlete. It's all part of the game. It's all part of the game. Hey, it's but, unfortunate. I mean, w- yeah, we deal with idiots, it from we deal like with, us. Well, it's, well, we deal with it from a media perspective. Like people will text in and say, "You said this," and I and I would say, "Like a hundred percent did not say that." Mm-hmm. Right, and, and 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 it's just. Do, do you remember when Luongo was named captain and he would talk about the game and then people would be like, the goalie can't be criticizing the, the skaters. Like, it can't work like that. It's like, well, what's he supposed to do then? Just talk about the goalie? Right, and that was on the organization. because they was think, on the organization. They didn't think that through. By the yes. way, um, of the seven Canadian teams, do you know how many are without a captain right now? Three. Calgary doesn't have a captain. Winnipeg doesn't have a captain. Vancouver doesn't have a captain. Mm-hmm. It's so the new ta- thing. I don't know if it is. Style. I don't know because it gets talked about relentlessly. And I think that they're, unless you don't have some, the worst thing you can do is foist it upon someone that is like, we, we need a captain. Yeah. You know, like they, they obviously think, and I, I think to a certain degree, know that, I mean, again, even between Pedersen and Hughes, like, I, I hate, I, I don't want to make it as cut and dry and black and what it is, but Pedersen's like, they're, best player right now going like I know Hughes is extremely talented and very good but Pedersen's going to be 
if he keeps up at this pace, he's going to be a 100-point guy yeah. on a team that stinks. Like, they're not good, <laughs> right? He is dragging them through some of these games. And you look at him. I mean, I was going through back through the annals, the annals of Canucks history, looking at the 100-point scorers, and it puts you at what? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Not how it's pronounced. Oh, it's not? Oh, okay. No. Uh, you look at the 100-point scorers. It's McGillney, Burray, Sedine. I mean, uh, Naslin, the year that he won the, the Pearson. Like, it is a very difficult mark to hit. Mm-hmm. And he's going to get there unless injury befalls him or something. Yeah. And, I mean, to be honest, look at the line mates that he's had this year, right? I mean, he had uh, sort of like Mikheyev playing on one knee, and he played all right, but mm-hmm. then they shut him down. Now he's got Tito Beauvillier, you know, coming in every now and again. Yeah, no, he's got it, Kuzmenko spinning around incessantly. Like, yeah, well, an NHL rookie. A talented guy, and not, yeah. I guess, not a technically a, a rookie, but a guy who is trying to learn the league. Listen, we all know how good Pedersen is. Yeah. So, in a lot of ways, this is us discussing. We're not criticizing. We want to protect him. We want to make sure that. <laughs> honestly, hug I want him. to make sure to because. Listen, I th- I think he might be a bit of an introvert, and the thing with the, with introverts is that for them, energy is sapped when they have to deal with too many. Sure. people right and deal with and and you want to have this guy energized and if he needs some if he needs his space then give him his space but that's on the Canucks to figure out and not for armchair psychologists like us but it's on them for to make the right decision I want to quickly play some audio from Fridge on JT Miller because um it's all related to how the Canucks are gonna take this team forward uh, not only the roster on the ice, the makeup of the roster, but of the leadership group. And apparently teams are still calling on JT Miller, and I'd be curious to see what they are saying to uh, Canucks management when they do call. Here's Elliot Friedman from the weekend on JT Miller. Really quick, and you can whisper this if you don't want to start a fire. Vancouver Canucks, JT Miller, go. <laughs> you know, the, the one thing is, is that Vancouver has made it very clear they're rebuilding around Pedersen and Hughes. And just forget the contract for a second. He's a good player. He's had a really weird year, but it's it, it, no, that whole team has had a weird year. But he's a really good player. I think last year there were some teams that asked about him. And so you separate, okay, do we like the player? Yes. I think there are teams out there who like the player. And now okay, well, we've got the contract. And, and what I think at the very least people are going to ask the Canucks is, what are you willing to do here, if anything? So we're going to find out the answer. So for all the criticism that JT Miller has taken, he has 51 points in 56 games. For a team in win-now mode, he could help. The questions for the Canucks on this situation are many. Number one, are they willing to trade him so soon after signing him to a long-term contract extension? Because people would be like, hey, why did you do that? Especially if the return is lesser than what it could have been. Number two, what could they get for him? I don't know. I I, I think the, the I, I have no idea what his worth is on the market right now. Would teams ask the Canucks to retain salary? And would that be a non-starter for the Canucks? Where would that leave the Canucks in the present? Do you remember Jim Rutherford has said, I want to turn this team around in a year or two. (laughs) It's going to be harder if you take a player like JT Miller away. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. We got the Drance bump yesterday, apparently. Andrew and Victoria texted in what we learned. He said, I learned that yesterday's show was the best show in a long time. We were not on the air yesterday. <laughs> Our next guest was Thomas Drance from The Athletic <laughs> here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Nailed it. Nailed it, boys. Hope you enjoyed your stat. It was, um, it was we good. certainly enjoyed filling in. <laughs> um, I understand that you guys took the fajita discourse to brand new levels yesterday. Yeah, Jamie just wanted to suggest that fajitas were like Caesars, where if someone gets one, everyone at the table wants one. Or if you see someone walk by with the sizzling plate, you're like, ooh, I should get a fajita. 
And I just don't think it's in that no. category. That says a lot about Jamie, I think. Like, he's a showy player. He's jealous of others. When, other, <laughs> when others shine, he wants to shine too. You know what I think when I see the fajita plate? I'm like, that's a me, that's a me first player. Right, um, that that right. wants that wants the sizzle, but isn't necessarily invested in the actual quality. Yeah. It is it, yeah, it is yeah, it is funny because that is the sole purpose of having fajitas. Yeah, look at menu. me, look at me. But you the, know? the waiter brings it out and it sizzles as yeah. it walks. I've by. got fajita money, and right. you don't. And then that's it, the insinuation. And then it separates the audience into fajita people and non-fajita people because you know the people are like, "Ooh, it sizzles." It's divisive. I want. It's that. divisive. Anyway, we should talk about hockey. Uh, Drance, um, ballpark it right now. This is a very open-ended question, and I hope you get radioed because of it. What do you think the Canucks could get for JT Miller on the trade market? Not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, Look, it's really hard to move cap liabilities with term. I mean, go through the players that have held value over the course of the past three weeks, and we've really only seen the trade market grind into gear the last, what, 10 days? And, I mean, what do, what do Tarasenko and Bo Horvat and, you know, Ryan O'Reilly all have in common? They were all on expiring deals. Now, granted, obviously, the Islanders made a big commitment to Bo Horvat. Doesn't Ryan O'Reilly feel like a perfect candidate, too, to sign one of those, like, more affordable, like the forward version of the Mark Giordano contract for the Leafs? Like, yeah. you know, I, I'm not saying these deals are absent potential commitments but the fact is is that when the transaction is made there's no additional money committed uh go back and look at like every trade (laughs) dating back to you know august 1st or september 1st if you'd like and uh, i mean the only guy you'll find with any meaningful term moved is jason dickinson right (laughs) like uh, jason dickinson and even then it's offset because the canucks took back uh, a contract roughly half the size for the exact same length of time and paid a second round pick to do it. So, you know, that should just show you as a snapshot, you know, how difficult it is to move money right now, particularly term, right? You can move cap hits, but man, moving cap commitments, given, you know, uh, continued uncertainty about what sort of cap growth we're, we're going to wade into in the years ahead. Um, it's a it's a heavy lift, like a really heavy lift, and it massively restrains what value you're able to net for those players. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk around Brock Besser, for example. There's a lot of talk around JT Miller. Like, fundamentally, I will be stunned if the Canucks are able to move a deal with significant term attached to it, uh, unless they take back, like, an inferior player with similar term, um, in Besser's case. And in Miller's case, like, man, $56 million, like, that's a huge sum. Um, that's a huge commitment for a team to take on and pay for the privilege of doing so. Uh, on an expiring deal, you know, even though he's not at the 99-point pace that he was last season, Miller would have massive value. Like, absolutely, you know, commensurate with Tarasenko. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it would extend it to the deal that he's been – signed to um no i mean i i think i think you'd be deeply fortunate if a team was simply willing to take the full freight of the commitment you know I, like honestly you, you probably win the trade given where this team's positioned right and again this has always been more about the canucks and their position than it is about miller the player mm-hmm. like a team a team as poor as the canucks in terms of their results as close to the bottom of the standings um, you know, would probably win a JT Miller trade if it was basically like, you know, a, a mid-round pick coming back. Like that would probably be a win considering the logic of that deal, which, you know, just didn't work for them. So what's your best guess on what's going to happen? Do you think JT Miller's just going to remain a Canuck and they're going to do their best? I, I, I just don't see it being uh, like, you know, I would handicap it as unlikely to happen before the deadline. I just think it's going to be too complicated to get done in season, given how little money we've seen move around the NHL this year. Now, um, could it be revisited in the off season, right? Remember that, you know, the, the, I heard Sarah Volley's hit yesterday talking about the no move clause, which kicks in next season, like the league year ends on June 30th. So you go through the draft and all of that with, 
the opportunity to still make a move before a player's contractual status changes uh, vis-a-vis an NTC or an NMC. So, um, you know, to me, a, a deal as big as that one, that feels like more of an off-season move if the Canucks are motivated to do something like that or consider something like that. I just think it's a really hard thing to get done in season by the deadline. Drancer, when you hear Elias Pettersson say, I need to think about the captaincy, is that him more saying, I really need to think about whether or not I want this role or this, or is that him saying, hey, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm not signed long-term by this team? Hmm, that's an interesting formulation. Not one that I, I, like what I thought he was saying was, um, you know, like really if I'm going to make this commitment, you know, if I'm going to take this on, I want to be considerate about how I do so. Like, I really think it was that simple. Um, You know, one thing, like, it's not far out, I think, from, like, having having worked with a lot of Swedish players over the years, right? There is, like, a, a considered type of sort of thought process that goes into certain things that that, that felt very much a part of to me. You know, like it almost felt like um, like a, an answer that was reflective uh, of sort of a, a like holistic Swedish mindset toward how you approach these sort of things. Like genuinely, that was my first reaction. Um, but, you know, the context of his contract, which we'll go into its last cycle um, as of the summer, uh, he'll become eligible for an extension. I mean, that can't be divorced from conversations about whether or not he'll assume the seat. Right. I mean, that is that is all part and parcel. Right. Because it's it's fundamentally a conversation with a player about their relationship with the franchise. Right. Are they going to be the face of the franchise? What does that look like? What does the compensation look like? Do they wear the C? Are they comfortable taking on that mantle? Um, You know, for me, it's all the same conversation anyway. And it makes sense to do. Uh, in the offseason, right? Like, it would have been premature to just slap a C on it, on his jersey in in the wake of Horvat's departure. Uh, and I'm sure he, from I'm sure his side felt that way as well, right? Um, so to me, that was all it sort of hinted at. I, I didn't sort of take it to be anything more than, you know, I, if I do this, I want to do this for the right reasons, and I want to do it deliberately, and I want to be thoughtful about how I do it. Um, that, that was all I drew, drew from it. Holistic... Swedish mindset. I'm I'm very proud of you for coming up with that one. That was pretty good. That actually. sounds like something you hear at a spa. <laughs> but I get what you're I get what you're saying, right? It's like I'm not yeah. going to I'm not going to rush into anything, be it the captaincy or a house purchase or even like a new pair of shoes. Uh, I need to think about this first. Um I, you know, I think there's a lot that goes into that that aspect of it. Like I'm sure like a lot of these guys growing up made note of the fact that you know, Vancouver had Swedish captains, you know, or ahead of the curve and that. So I'm sure that there's a, another sense of like maybe nationalistic pride that comes along with it. I also think that every, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but everything right now, everything that the organization is doing is pointing towards, you know, here are the keys, Petey. It's all yours. Like you're the king of the castle. You're going to get paid. You're going to get the C. You know, I mean, talk it. We played a clip from Talkit earlier, where in two different moments he says, oh, "I just love the guy." Like everything is pointed towards this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's certainly a consciousness of the importance of that pitch, right? And there should be, there should be, right? I mean. The, the, we're not in the player empowerment era in the NHL in the same way that, you know, the NBA has been in since, well, really since they shortened contract lengths in the NBA, right? Players have been able to sort of dictate an awful lot about where they go, and um, it, it's been a pretty different dynamic. But, you know, I, I think in the imagination of Canucks fans anyway, um, what we saw with Matthew Kachuk, which we'd never really seen before, which was a, a player who was still a restricted free agent, effectively wield his unwillingness to talk extension as if it were, you know, uh, um, like uh, like a no trade clause, right? Like it wasn't the thing. The thing, the thing about the Kachuk story that I bring up here is not to be like sensationalist and be like, and he'll demand out. Mm. It's like what what happened with Kachuk that was so interesting was that a player was able to use their contract status 
decline to, to talk extension with a team. And then because his trade value was contingent on another team signing him long term, right, pr- produce basically like a modified no trade list and be like, I'm willing to talk with these three or four teams. Those are the only teams that you can now get full value from, right, and, and effectively call his shot. That's something we'd never seen before and felt kind of NBA-esque, right? Like that was a player empowerment move. Sure. Um, now, the big difference between Pedersen and Kachuk was Kachuk was in his last year of RFA, right? Like there, there was one year to go um, prior to his being able to depart the organization. Um, the Canucks have two years, which does change the leverage point a little bit, but you know, I, I think that's sort of the, the thing that hangs over this in terms of the Canucks being deliberate, laying out the red carpet, pitching Patterson, opening um, opening the door and, and just sort of like, you know, giving him the key, right? Giving him the keys to the car, I, I think is, you know, a, a pretty natural reaction to the level of sort of power now that an established like superstar level performer has particularly as they get to the final stages, those arbitration-eligible restricted free agent seasons. Um, and, and I think the Kachuk playbook has kind of changed the game for how teams have to think about and approach this stuff, right? Uh, and, and that, more than anything, is, is, I think, partly why the Canucks are you know, going to be willing to do whatever it takes to get this guy under contract. Well, on that note, how high is the AAV going to be on Pedersen's deal? Oh, man. I mean... We'll see. Like it's it's hard to know. Is you know, is he going to be a hundred point player? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Is he going to be a forty goal scoring hundred point player? Like man, there's a chance. Is he going to be a forty goal scoring hundred point player who doesn't have a power play goal on the season? Because um, that's amazing. Uh, you know, like we'll see. I, one thing about what Patterson's doing, right, is it's not just the production. Um, you know, the, his underlying numbers, the the fact that the Canucks actually outscored their opponents with him on the ice, the fact that he's been the only guy who's kind of been able to make this work at even strength consistently all season. And and really, what's, what's starting to stand out to me about Pedersen is, it's like, this team's, you know, pretty miserable in terms of their their performance, their ability to move the puck, their team play. But once every four or five games, and it doesn't even really matter how well or poorly they play or the quality of the goaltending or anything else, like one of every four or five games this season, Pedersen just kind of comes in, calls game, and, and personally, like single-handedly wins it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think about like that Seattle game right before Christmas where the, it was just one of the worst defensive performances. Like it's hard for me to think of a, a worse two-way performance that I've seen from any NHL team this season. Like it was like, Every time Seattle entered the zone, it was with speed, and they were generating a five-alarm scoring chance. And, and you know, Canucks are down big, and Pedersen just single-handedly, right, chips away at it, points every time he's on the ice. Just the, the level of dynamism that he's been able to hit consistently throughout the season is mind-blowing, mind-blowing. And, and we're really at a point, too, where it doesn't matter who he plays with, right? Lane Peterson... Anthony Beauvillier, like Anthony Beauvillier had nine goals coming into the, this, uh, this team. So like when he was traded for, and, and now he's hot and it's like, Hmm, wonder why, right? Like it doesn't, Ilya Mikheyev, like I, I don't even think Ilya Mikheyev's like a, a particularly strong offensive piece. And he's looked fantastic uh, offensively with Eli- Ilyas Pedersen. And that, and that now we know he couldn't even like move right. You know, I mean, it's just wild. Like you can throw whomever you want with this guy. And they start to produce. That's the mark of a, a great player, right? I mean, he's improving everyone he plays with. So, you know, what's the number going to start with? Uh, it's really hard to know until we know where the cap goes, uh, until we know what Pedersen's appetite is. Um, but, I mean, it could be really high. Like, I, I think he could absolutely, like, in a world where David Pasternak breaks or, or at least gets close to the McDavid number, um, you know, I, I like, I think Pedersen could absolutely, like, he'll absolutely have a case to be one of the five highest paid players in the league. And if the cap, you know, if the NHLPA and the NHL agree on like a three or $4 million lift with an agreed upon $5 million lift the season beyond that, 
um, you know, prior to the market opening, prior to Pedersen being eligible to sign an extension. I mean, I, I do think there's a world where uh, his next cap hit, um, you know, <laughs> looks like something we've never seen before. Transfer, I guess hanging over all of this is the Canucks still need to improve their defense. <laughs> And, and 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 I know this. I know. Oh, yeah. We've, we've only got like five minutes to go here, but we didn't talk about it. We had to talk about it. Sorry, but <laughs> no, we, but we do. Um, if you're if you're management, what what is your first plan with this? Are you looking at trades? Are you looking at free agency? And if you're looking at trades, how are you going to do this thing? Oh boy, I mean. You know, this is this is like you, you. I only have a couple minutes, huh? You've hit you've hit on the you've hit on the crux of the issue for me, which is why I sort of started to really bang the drum about rebuilding this club. Right? Is is like I I don't think the defensive renovation can be picked at at the margins in terms of uh, trades and free agency. Like I think it's a multi-year process, in part because You've got the six million committed to Myers this season. Next, you've got the seven point two six committed to OEL uh, through twenty twenty seven, um, and you've got all this inefficient money committed up front now on the wings. Um, like I don't know how you carve out the sort of cap space you need, in my view. Like you need a ton of cap space because these players don't shake loose. So you do need to use trades, right? Like you do need to try and find your version of the Devon Taves, John Marino deal. Like that's definitely part of the process. Um, if you go, you know, uh, hunting in free agency, you're not looking for the, the mid range guy who's still going to cost four or 5 million. Like you're looking for a top, top free agent, right? Like an absolute stud defenseman. And there's not one available on the market this year anyway, right? Like you're, pro- you're probably looking yeah. down the line. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you're going to need to develop a few guys in house and, and they have to be really good. And I, I just don't look at it as something that's going to be achieved in two years or 18 months. I, I look at it as like, it's such a cataclysmic issue and it's so in, it's so it's compounded too, by the inefficient commitments that currently exist that, you know, I think you're looking at a, a you know, a two or three year process. Um, in which really the route forward is to carve out as much cap flexibility as you can, amass as many assets as you can, uh, particularly draft picks, mm-hmm. you know, draft a ton of guys with talent and wheels, first round, second round, third round, right? Like, you know, the, I mean, if you can, if you can get some extra picks at this deadline, like that would be huge. Cause there's some really interesting guys who are going to go in the second and third round uh, in this draft class in particular, but you know, like years of investment is the only way that I can see overhauling it to a level where it's going to be good. And that's why like the, the blue line issue for me is the reason that this team has to be rebuilt. Like it, it that that's it. That's, that's what it comes down to. Um, because I don't think you're, you know, I don't think you're like, Oh, if you could get one good puck moving first pair guy and one good, no, you need like three top pair quality defensemen if you're ever going to win a cup with a four with a forward group that doesn't have like a natural stopper or defensive ace up front. Like you're you're going to need three or four top pair quality guys. Um, you know, good luck. I don't. I just don't know how you do that in free agency or with reclamation projects or. Uh, you know, I, I think it, I think the change required is something more fundamental, and and that's sort of the underlying assumption and a lot of what I've been talking about ad nauseum over the course of the last six months. Drancer, thanks for doing this, bud. We appreciate it. Have a good show today. We'll do this again next Tuesday. Hey, look forward to it. Cheers, boys. See you. Uh, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk right here on Sportsnet 650. What we learned, the Blue Jays manager is stopping his people from choking already. The what? season hasn't even started yet. Explain. He was out to dinner, and a woman at a table across from him started choking, and he had learned the Heimlich maneuver in sixth grade, he says. <laughs> Never had used it before, but listen to his take on, on what happened. It wasn't it wasn't like a movie. It wasn't like across the table. It just kind of came up uh, 
naturally, I guess. But it, it wasn't like popping a bottle of champagne. So that's what it's like when you save somebody from choking. It doesn't pop out of their mouth. Did he liken it to a bottle of champagne? No, he said it wasn't. It like wasn't like it. But he thought it was going to be? Everyone he was disappointed. It. He was yeah. like, ah, oh, I thought that was going to make a sound. He also said it helped that he was a bigger guy. Because right. he just sort of gave her a little heave-ho and mm-hmm. he saved her life. Um, he, she was choking on a piece of shrimp. Oh. In case anyone was wondering, shrimp, the silent killer. Have you guys ever had a choking incident yourself? Now, I'm not uh, t- I know none of you have saved a life ever. Yes, I have actually. It what? was <laughs> I was a young child at a hockey game. I was at a Chilliwack Chiefs game, mm-hmm. and they have an incredibly loud horn. <laughs> and they scored while I was eating one, and I choked on a gobstopper. Oh, and I, everyone! How was, old were you? I was probably Shouldn't like ten, be eating hard 11. candy. Oh, ten or eleven. And okay. everyone around me is like going nuts because they just scored and the horns going off. <laughs> and I'm like choking. <laughs> well, that kid loves oh, it. That kid. <laughs> I survived. So I'm still here. He's barely breathing. <laughs> so yeah, I have this recollection of choking while the like pandemonium's going on and the horns blast. So did you save yourself? Yeah, I ended up just going down the. The throat. Uh, <laughs> oh, you swallowed it? Yeah, I just it made its way through. You're like so. a snake. You're like, yeah. it'll work its way down. <laughs> well, congratulations to John Snyder. Um, give us a moo cow on that. Hopefully, we can stop the Jays from choking this year. You really wanted to work it. <laughs> Rib shot. Oh, okay. Let's get to the in basket here. Uh, fire up that, uh, whatchamacallit? Printer. 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 Dot matrix. Thank you. Uh, Sean from Kamloops. Um, and he notes that the concert is on his 49th birthday. What we learned, I learned the JT Miller trade rumors never go away. Yeah, they're going to be with us through the deadline. And if it doesn't happen at the deadline, they're going to be with us right through until his no move clause. Yeah, we owe it. We owe it in. to the game. Really. So it could be another draft where the JT Miller trade rumors are out there, unless the team shuts it down, right? They could. Like, they could say, we're, we're not trading JT. Um, but I think there's the, I mean, it's a great debate to have. There's some people that are like, why would you trade this guy? He, he's what the Canucks need. And other people are, are, are looking at it. Uh, and I, I'm one of these people that are looking at it just in a, in a term of an asset and where's the asset going to be in a few years when the Canucks are hopefully more competitive than they are right now. Uh, one day here from, uh, Ruben in Fort Langley, hashtag WW, what we learned, what I learned this past weekend that as an Everton supporter, I thought things couldn't get any worse. Then I realized that I'm not a Leeds supporter. Yeah, I'm I'm now going to have my own personal hell and come into grips with the fact that uh, relegation, it's staring us. Probably going to happen. Smack in the face. Mm -hmm. I used, uh, I just kept sending the same text to everyone this week. I was like, we're cooked. Oh, we did get a new new manager today. That's exciting. Uh, It's not exciting for anyone except for you. How many managers are they now? Uh, How many have they had in the last couple of years? Well, they went from Bielsa to Marsh, and mm-hmm. then Marsh to the caretaker manager. They right. thought that they were going to land a couple different guys. So this is going to be their fourth. Yeah, the caretaker doesn't really count. He was only in charge for a couple matches. It's like remember when uh, Stan Smeal was GM for a couple days? Mm-hmm. It's like that. He was like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought Stan Smeal did a great job. Uh, I, oh, what we learned unsigned, so it must be from Gary. Hashtag WW what we learned. I learned that the Maple Leafs have engaged in the Nick Felino 2.0 experiment. <laughs> um, okay, you know what? We haven't really talked about the O'Reilly deal much. I, I, I surmise it as this. I really like it for the Leafs. I hate it for myself and the possibility that they might this might help them. Mm-hmm. But I, I like if, if I was a neutral observer, I'd be like, that's a good trade. I find it hard to be a neutral observer. It's, it's interesting that he hasn't started out as the 3C, isn't it? Like they've either um, moved him to the wing or John Tavares to the wing. Yeah, I thought they would just automatically go like he's down the middle. I think event. Well, he apparently he had a bit of a connection with Marner. Okay, that they, they wanted to try and utilize him in some. I, they've got time to play with this. I sure. think inevitably yeah. you know where he's going to end up as the three C. But um, I, you know, honestly, I looked at that and I started thinking like has. Dubas finally become, you know, he was once a hockey boy, but now he's a hockey man with a big deadline trade. But I guess he has gone out of the deadline and made big moves before. Because the Felino one, yeah, I mean, I don't the Felino one was a terrible for them deal. To add a rental. No, but this is probably the most high profile one because mm-hmm. O'Reilly's only. You keep forgetting he's only four years removed from winning the Stanley Cup and being the playoff MVP, mm, winning he, a Selkie. Yeah, like it's some some luster is obviously off his game. He's not as good as he once was. But like Felino was a complete bust. Giordano, you got what you got. I think it was a decent acquisition, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think he was going to change the fortunes. I forgot Muzzin was a deadline pickup for them as well. So, like, they've done some good things. 
they've made big moves, but this is by far, I think in part because of how much pressure is on, right? Like O'Reilly is there. You look at it, you're almost like, get us out of the first round. You know how to do it. Get us out of the first round. Goaltending is going to be a big issue for Toronto. Yes. And issue it kind of sounds like it's going to be a massive problem, but it's just going to be – I think the Leafs have pretty much accepted that they're not going to have the best goalie in that series against Tampa Bay because it's pretty hard to beat Vasilevsky at the last minute. So they're going to have to do everything they can to be better with their skaters up front and on the back end. Can they do it? I don't know. Uh, what we learn, unsigned text – Moving Miller and his contract would be a good move at or before the trade deadline. Honestly, I could have come up with something better to share, but Axel Rose is screaming in my head pretty loudly at the moment. Unsigned. I don't know if we can give it to him. You can't give it to a, You can't give it to an, an anonymous person. You got to know the rules of what we learned. Mm-hmm. And especially in this one, Rose emoji. Hashtag WWL, and most importantly, some sort of identifiable moniker. You want the tickets? Give us your identification. Yeah, That's Here, the rule. Here's Matt and Abby. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. We went up to Kamloops to watch the Scotties. I learned that the people who party in a place called The Patch really know how to drink. A great time all around. Drinking at a curly event? I'm going to have to verify this one. Would you call the Scotties a bonspiel? I guess. Or is it is that more like a local term? Uh, Do you know what I mean? What constitutes a bond spiel? <laughs> I guess it's a bond spiel. It's just like a a, a very big uh, bond spiel. Uh, the, the dictionary definition of a bond spiel is a match or a tournament between curling clubs. So this is yeah, te- that's a bond spiel then. Yeah, I mean yeah. You're, it's more provincial than club. But they're all part of a club. Yeah, they all belong to the curling club. You just like saying the word bond spiel. I do. One of my favorite pieces of sports journalism of all time is there's a piece called Merv Curls Lead. It's about a guy named Bert Bodnerchuk, written mm-hmm. by Guy Lawson. It is an amazing, amazing article. It's is great. there drinking in it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the best part. He really gets down Was to he the, drinking when he wrote the article? Yeah. Like, he really gets down. He, he's got the really good attention to detail where you feel like you're in um, a bar that has carpet and a cigarette machine, you know, because that's kind of like curling in a nutshell, right? Like, guys are banging down darts, and he had a drink called a clam's eye, which is a beer with a shot of... Um, Clamato in it, like a shot of tomato juice. <laughs> you don't like Clamato? No. You don't like clam Caesars juice? Caesars no. might be the most disgusting yeah, I hate concoction Caesars. that I've ever Are you hearing not, this? Not a Caesar guy at all. Are you hearing all. this? Yeah, I'm hearing it. You I, just got, I, I can't I'm think just of two grosser things to yeah, mix the, the, than clams like, and tomatoes. They're children. Let's get they're drunk children. off of tomato juice. Uh, that sounds like a you, great you idea. Yeah. You wouldn't feed a dog uh, <laughs> uh, a Caesar. Yeah, I feel like you. Got, there's a certain time. Where the Caesar? Oh, I'm aware. It's the hangover drink. I no, know no, what it no, is. No. I know it what it is. No, no, no. It's just it's there's certain times where it, it the drink can be perfection. Yeah, the dr- best drinks always have to be masked by full meals thrown on top I of mean, it. I mean, uh, that's food. just. For, I don't know. I've just never looked at the tomato before and be like, you know what? I want to drink that with clam. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.